We're going to continue with the topic that we were on last week. And it's one it's funny because it is something that we don't talk about a lot in our church. We're kind of the touchy-feely relational church. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about feelings. How are you doing? Really? I care about you. <laughs> we're kind of, you know, that's kind of, it seems like that's the, the center of what we do a lot, a lot of which is great. I love that about our church. It's never going to change. It's part of who we are in our DNA. Uh, it's a really good thing. But this topic I actually think is extremely important in our spiritual growth and health and vitality. And I, I have failed, I'm sure, as a, as a pastor to not teach it as much as I believe it and it lives for me in my heart. It is a topic that I'm personally feel like it's been extremely liberating for me. It's changed, it's changed my life, it's changed my heart, and it's made a significant difference. And I think, as much as I feel passionate about it, I think I've been a big chicken about teaching it. And I, and I'm, I think I'm ashamed about that, actually, when I think about it. I feel like it's not, it's not really served people. I should be bold about things I believe are good. Like, why would I hold back on things that I believe that work for me, that I've seen healing and whatever? And, but it's in the area of giving. And I think in some ways we're so about taking care of people that we, that we have erred as a church in that department and not really challenge people as much to be giving. I do believe, though, that if you are in the, the mode of receive, 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 and not giving, that you're not really going to have a full or gratified life. People usually err one way or the other. People, there's also people that are all about giving and not receiving, and that's really toxic too. You know, you've met them. Maybe you've been one. I, you know, I think I probably spent a lot of years being one of those. Actually, yeah, I'd say that was probably the definition of most of my life of just like being in a place of wanting to be the giver but not having it be okay to receive. I think for me it was just more of a breakthrough of just saying I also need to learn how to receive But God's plan for us to be healthy and happy is to receive and give, receive and give. We really, really need to be thinking about the balance of our lives and constantly looking at how we're doing with that. You know, where is the area? Do I need to receive more? Do I need to give more? Sometimes we need to do both. Sometimes we're not doing enough receiving and not doing enough giving. You can can be, you know, short on in both departments, actually, and that's not good either. God speaks a lot about giving. God's not shy like me about giving in the Bible. God speaks about it a lot. And God speaks a lot specifically. We're going to talk about there's a principle of just general giving, but also God, which we talked about last week, God specifically speaks about giving financially, which is, again, you know, it's, it's a funny thing that you think about. You don't think about money and spirituality too much together, do you? Or you don't hear it discussed much? I mean, how many people think about those two together often? It's, it is a part of being a spiritual person. And, and it's, there's tons of stuff in the Bible. Jesus was constantly talking about, talking to people about where their heart was. He talked to the rich, young, you know, the rich young ruler, and he says, what do I have to do? And Jesus said, give everything away. Which, you know, Jesus wasn't telling everybody to do that. You know, he wasn't walk, walk, walking up to everybody going, get rid of everything. And he walked away very sad. And, there, and there's constantly things that talk about, you know, there where, where you're, Treasure is there, will your heart be also? There's tons of things. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's kind of a deep thing. 
If you think about what the heck does that mean, the love of money? What do you think about when you think about the love of money? Greedy. Greedy. <laughs> I mean, that's a strong saying, right? The root of all evil. Wow, that's dark. And you think about a root, it's sort of what the, you know, it's just sort of everything kind of comes up and sprouts from a root. So of all evil, money and, and you know, how we relate to it, the possibilities are really evil. Now, the love of money, you shouldn't, nobody should love money. I, you know, it's, the love of money is meaning that money means too much to you. That's basically what it's talking about. And, and every single person struggles with this at some point. I'm not saying everybody's struggling with it in this moment, but I, there's not a human being alive that has not had this struggle in their life where money meant too much, where too much of your worth, too much of your value, where we compromised for things, maybe. You know, I mean, just think about all the things as far as where maybe we obsessed over something that we wanted, you know, got angry and bitter because we couldn't have it, maybe envy. You know, there's all kinds of things, aren't there, that come with making money too important and being too attached to it, being too worried about it, caring about it too much. And so there is a lot of, as much as we don't think money is spiritual, the Bible says, there, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So that means wherever you spend money on, that's where your heart is. That's what actually means something to you. Heart and money, heart and money. You can say you care, but if somebody's not willing to part with their money, how much do you really care? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you, I just think about it in gifts of people. I really always think about this, of who you spend money on for the presents that you get people, right? Like, you know, who do you spend the big bucks for? <laughs> Didn't it have something to do with how much people mean to you as to whether you will go get uncomfortable with what you spend, you know, how you feel about somebody. So this is why um, I think it, it is a topic talked about in the Bible, and we're on that chapter right now, so uh, I'm getting forced into talking about it. But shame on me that I have not really taught this more often because it's something I actually believe in. I have been in places in my life many, many times where I was way too in bondage to money. Way too in bondage. You know, I told the story last week about how much my self-worth was tied to money and being successful. And I was just, everything about how I thought of myself was connected to whether I was financially successful or not. Somehow I thought if I had a lot of money, people would have to like me and couldn't reject me and all those kind of things. You know, like a lot of, you know, I think I wanted to be an actor thinking I'll be famous and powerful and then nobody will be able to reject me. You know, I think like when I was... I'm probably not the only person that went into acting with some of those things going on, you know, like, I mean, um, way back in the day. And, uh, of course, I would never have said that, but uh, I'm sure I had a much more noble explanation for it at the time. I think when we get to the place of not being overly attached to our stuff, there's just a lot of peace, a lot of freedom in that. Uh, okay, Second Corinthians 9. In verse 1 it says, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints. For I know your eagerness to help. I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Acacia were ready to give and your enthusiasm stirred most of them into action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. 
but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So as I mentioned last week, what's going on here is that the people of Corinth originally were super excited about giving. Like, they originally were really passionate. They were on fire. They were like, what we have doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. We want to give. We, you know, we want to see, you know, people get saved and the word of God spread. And they were just really on fire. And so, and they gave even, it said, like, beyond what they were able to do and what, um, just with a lot, a lot of passion and generosity, and it inspired many people. Their faith about this was extremely inspiring. And then um, what happened, which happens a lot in life, like we don't always stay on fire and full of faith, and you know, you've noticed that, right, about this walk with God. Like sometimes we're like, yeah, let's go, and then, you know, kind of peter out. Usually it comes with when we're not praying a lot and we're not reading the Bible and we're not fellowshipping and all of a sudden we're just like, God, I got bills and, you know, how am I going to do all this? And God can't possibly expect this of me and, you know, how's this going to work? And it's all on me and this is stressful and my job sucks and um, I need a raise and I'm not appreciated and I don't know, whatever. Um, So for whatever thing is that they had originally made a commitment to give, and then they kind of lost faith. Um, and so it's kind of interesting because the Apostle Paul is writing them about their original enthusiasm and how much it blessed a lot of people and inspired a lot of people that they were ex- so excited and that they lo- sort of lost sight in it. And so he actually had somebody go talk to them to say that they were coming back for the second part of what they had committed to give, but so that they had a chance to prepare their hearts, so that they wouldn't be just showing up going, here we are for the collection. And they're like, oh, this is awkward. So uh, I guess we said so. Let's, <laughs> we don't really want to, but you're here. You came all this way. Guess we got to dish it up. You know, I mean, it, you know, it, it, people are still people. Like, even though this is 2,000 years ago, people still feel awkward about those things, right? It's funny how humans don't change too, you know, too much from that. So the Apostle Paul, knowing this, said, okay, I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, it, it talked about the fact that um, uh, that that he was going to he was going to send somebody to go you know spend some time and talk to them and just say we're coming around so you guys be thinking about you know giving so that it's not grudgingly given so your heart is in a place that you're not feeling like you're stuck giving but that this can be a, a place that you really have a you can get your heart wrapped around it again. Um, and decide to give. And then in verse 6 it says, remember, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, sowing, it's not this kind of sowing like cloth, you know, kind of sowing. We don't usually use that terminology anymore. But to sow means to plant seeds. So what this means, it's a visual that makes sense, you know, that everybody can understand because, of course, it's an agricultural culture at the time, is that if you plant, you know, you want a big, fat crop and you put one seed in the ground, 
Is it going to happen? It's kind of ridiculous. You know, it's kind of like you want a big fat crop, but you planted one seed. So it's sort of, it, there's a lot of things that go with this, um, with this imagery because you think about if you plant, it's cool though, because you plant a seed, you don't get one seed back. You know, you think about you plant an apple seed, what do you get? You get an apple tree. An apple tree, that's a lot. From one, one little teeny weeny seed, you get a whole, your whole tree. Hopefully if the seed took and everything, but sometimes I think that, you know, that's why you have to plant more than one seed. But if the seed sprouts, you get a whole tree with a lot of apples, and in all those apples you get a whole bunch more seeds to plant more. So... This is a law of life that, in this context, they're specifically referring to money, actually. You can, it, it works for other things. You know, if you think about, like, what you plant, what you sow, and what you reap, you reap what you sow. That's, you've heard that, right? It's from this verse of scripture. You reap what you sow, you reap what, what you sow. Also, you don't plant apples and get peaches, do you know what I mean? Like, you, you reap what you sow. Like, what are you planting you get back? That does apply to so many things in life, you know. It applies to, you know, if you give love, if you give kindness, if you give revenge, if you give bitterness, you reap what you sow. You know, whatever it is that you're planting, you get back, you know, m- many fold, actually. You know, you get it back in big harvest back to you. Um, If you sow a little bit, you plant a little bit, you get a little bit. You plant a lot, you're going to get a lot. We want, if you take a look at what you want your lives to be about, plant a lot of what you want. You want something, plant a lot of it. Sow a lot of it. Give a lot of it, you know. It's, it comes back. And you know what, though? It's, the other thing, too, is it doesn't always come back right away either. Sometimes you plant a seed, take some time. That tree to grow and grow apples is not necessarily going to be like you plant the seed and next week you got an apple tree with apples on it. There's something, too, as far as, like, in the sowing process that it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to tons of immediate gratification as well. You know, it again, it's looking at the big picture. It's looking at, and so part of that is, is that there has to be some patience in letting go of something and trusting that, it, that you will get this back at some point. It may not be immediately. I believe with all my heart that anything that we do for God and his kingdom, you cannot outgive God. That there is absolutely nothing that, you know, like as far as that you do, if you sacrifice something for God, and for his purposes, that you cannot lose. I believe that with all my heart. You know, I've seen it. And I've seen it financially. You know, I really, really did. I was so attached to money for years and years of my life growing up. Um, I, I was kind of taught that people with the money had all the power. And so in my family, 
I heard all the time about those rich people, you know, and I was always very intimidated by that. It seemed like all the neighbors had a lot of stuff and we didn't, you know, like all the neighbors had horses and all the girls that I went to school with had horses and we didn't. And, you know, there was always sort of this sense of, I felt like, you know, I, and then my mom was on welfare for a while and we ate tomato soup for dinner every night. And, you know, so I, I had a sense, and my mom talked about that a lot, you know, about those, like, about how powerless we were because we didn't have money. You know, that we were just nobodies and nothing because we didn't have a whole lot. And so, man, it made me kind of get super driven about wanting desperately to make a lot of money. You know, where I was like really, really focused on I have to make money. And it was, it was because I never wanted to feel like a piece of crap again. Never wanted to feel like I was nothing. You know, and so I just put so much time and energy and effort into career and getting ahead and trying to accomplish something. You know, I was just sold out to that for a period of time in my life. And, um, you know, it was, I, I talked about this last week, but it was really, it broke my heart when I lost, you know, everything in one fell swoop. You know, I had fat career and everything else and that it was, it was in so much agony over it that once I got through the pain of it, um, I just said, I'm never going to care this much about money. I just, it's too painful, you know, to be this attached to this. And that was the point where I made up my mind to say, all I care about is you, God. I just, that's all I care about. It's just like serving you. I want to make a difference. I want to be about the things of you. Because before that, I kind of thought I was putting God first, I have to say. You know, I was successful. I was like, sure, I'm putting God first. And I wasn't. You know, I was really about career, career. You know, that was, if uh, choices of time, career would always take the lead. You know, everything would take, making money would always take the lead. And so when I shifted, I was happier than I'd ever been in my life. When I just got, I was living in some ghetto place with orange carpet and there were gunshots out my window and they stole my hubcaps all the time and you know just sort of you know and I was happier than I'd ever been in my entire life I felt free and you know what it was it was the fact that I was really for the first time like where my heart was not overly attached to my stuff to thinking that I was defined or my worth was defined by what I had and so I just vowed to do the best I could to try and not ever fall back into that and to just say, God, I want to serve you. And so I've been on this journey of, um, you know, deciding to walk with God and serve God for a while now. And so I've picked jobs and careers um, really based on how can I, <laughs> like, and I got no education, guys. I shouldn't even have a job. And, um, but I've picked careers just going, what can I do to serve you, God? Like, what can I you know, what can I do to have a flexible schedule and serve you? You know, so I could tell people about you and how great you are. You know what? I am way more successful than I've ever been in my entire life. It's ridiculous. I'm sitting there going, how on earth? I have no education. I have no qualifications for anything. And I have this crazy business that's extremely successful that's an accident. It's a total accident. And I feel, I really, really believe that that it's come about from letting go, from really letting go of being so obsessed over career, finance, et cetera. I believe it's also come from the fact that 
I have been like majorly passionate about giving since I was 13 years old. Like, well, I would say, no, I should say, you know, that's a, that's a bad way to describe that. I've been faithfully giving since I was 13. Sometimes I've been passionate, sometimes not. You know, but I always believed in tithing because the Bible said that and somebody taught it to me. And so I'd write my check for 10. Well, actually, I was always pretty much just always went 15 percent or more just because somebody told me tithing was ch- chintzy. And I was like, because the, you know what it, the, you know what it was is because this says if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. And I'm like, well, if God's saying 10 percent, then that must be the, the sparingly. I mean, just like, I'm just like, if we're measuring, if God says 10%, then it probably is not the bountiful. But, um, you know, there's got to be somewhere that there's a gauge in there with what's bountiful and what's sparing. You know, so I've been faithful at it. Sometimes I felt like it, sometimes I haven't. But I've believed in it. I've believed it was, I believed that it meant that God would take care of me. And it's helped me through times of things like, the window, you know, we got a broken window the other day, and you know, just stuff like that. It's just sort of like, or termites. We have termites, and uh, a lot, a lot of damage. Not anymore. We got termite, but part of it's just sort of, you know, stuff like that happens, and you know, I'm like, my sufficiency is not in my job. My sufficiency is in God. Like I believe that God takes care of me and that he's my provision and it's not about money, it's not about career, it's not about any of those things. God Almighty is going to take care of me. So who cares about termites? God will figure out how to pay for the, f- for the termites. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In uh. The, you know, and I have to say, you know why I've been shy about this is because we have a lot. And I've always felt like if I said something about this that you guys would think, well, sure, it's easy for her to say that. And I'm ashamed that I have held back because I feel like God has provided for me financially that I think somehow nobody's going to hear me saying that and say, yeah, it's easy for you to say, you know, live in a big house and have a fancy job or something. But it's not really, honestly, it's got nothing to do with that. I was doing this since I was 13 years old, you know, when I got my little allowance from vacuuming the hardware store every week, you know, for, you know, where they made me vacuum the wet carpet and I thought I was going to die, but <laughs> I gave my money to, to God out of that. But, um, you know, so I, so I want to teach it just because it lives for me, and I feel like it's amazing and sets you free, and that God's big and it blesses you. And because God's desire is for us to take care to take care of us financially, you know, God says that He wishes above all things that His people prosper and be in health. God wants to take care of us. God does not want anybody to be broke or to have financial needs. God wants to provide. But the only promise, you know, the promise, it says all the promises of the word of God, that the how of receiving is by faith. So if you have faith, you receive, you know, like you believe for healing, God gives you healing. You have, you know, faith for what God, all these things that are promised, they are promises of God. It just takes faith. When it comes to finances, God says what faith looks like is giving. That's how you show you're actually trusting God. 
you know, it's a demonstration that you're not, because again, it's kind of interesting because it really is a demonstration that you are not trusting you, you're trusting God with your money. That you're surrendering and saying, you really are, my money's not mine, it belongs to you, I'm trusting you, God. Um, and it's also kind of cool because, you know, I, I also really believe with all my heart that, um, and I, oh, as I said last week, I think the other part of my reluctance about this is because I have seen church after church be really abusive with people's money. Um, I was a part of a church where I gave my money that they abused it, and the guy lived in big old fat limousines and things like that. Um, and I feel like, and it's sad, it makes me angry, it makes me super, super angry when I see those things happen. Um, but I don't think anybody should give because of your church. That shouldn't be why you're giving. You shouldn't give because there's just, you know, some project or we need to do some fundraising and we need money to go someplace. Or It shouldn't be why you give. You should give because it's a way to honor and trust God and to be in a place that you really are, are set free from being too, much, too attached to this stuff and really going, yes, I believe you, God, that you'll take care of me. That part is actually easy for me to say because I'm a volunteer and don't get any money for doing this, and I actually donate uh, money to our church regularly. So that part I do not feel embarrassed about talking about. <laughs> um, okay, let's go to um, verse 7. It says, Each man should give what is, he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And actually that word in the Greek is more like hilarious. So God loves a hilarious giver. God loves a giver that's just free, you know, just like free. Like God, God's heart is such that he wants us to just have joy in it, just joy and freedom in giving. And that it's free will. That this is not something that people should feel like they got to or that they got some big guilt thing happening, like shame on you or anything like that. Should not give re- reluctantly or under compulsion. There's a difference between the fact that it's not easy to give and you're going to give because you want to do the will of God. That's different. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a difference between feeling like you got manipulated or, or guilted into it versus this is a stretch. It's really, really uncomfortable for me. But I'm going to try you, God. Oh, oh okay. I'm going to try this. That, there's, do you know what I'm saying? There's, there's some of it's just a stretch in faith, and some of it is just sort of like you don't want to be doing this from a place that, I don't know, you think the church is going to care or, you know, trip out or, I don't know, whatever. Some people, tri- or God's not going to like you. There's nothing in here that says God is not going to like you, you know, in this. God loves you no matter what. It says, and God is able, look at this, interesting. God is able, I wonder why the able word, we'll look at that, to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you abound in every good work. Hmm, a lot of alls and everys in there, isn't there, in that verse? Let's look at this again. Really think about what this means and what this speaks to us. God is able. When we give, God is able. Why would it be that God is able in that? (laughs) 
The thing about it is that in faith, that's what opens the promises of God. Do you know what I mean? Because God gives us free will, right? God does not impose. God's not the puppet master. God does not control us. So the thing is, is that when you walk out in faith, that makes God able to fill his promise. You know, you've given him permission in that. You've invited God in. You've invited God in. God does not interfere. So God, it says God is able to make all grace. Wow. What does that look like for all grace to abound to you? So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, wouldn't you like that? I believe this is true. I believe that this is a promise of God that in this, when we seek God first with our finances, that God, I believe this. I go to God with that. I'm telling you, the termites, the whatever happens, I seriously, I go to God and I'm like, you know what? God, you got me covered. I know you got me covered. You're going to, you're my God. You're not going to leave me hanging out to dry. It says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God, you will not leave me out to dry. I believe that. You know, that God, and think about that. How would that feel? How less stressful would you feel to know than all things at all times having all you need? Does that take some stress off? Does me. A lot. You will bound in every good work. Abound, bountiful, bountiful. God's not stingy. God's not a piker. God's not stingy. God, in Malachi, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Tithes means a tenth. There might be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. That's what God says. It says, test me. So then it says, Uh, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he that supplies seed to the sower (laughs) and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. So look at that. He supplied the seed to begin with. It's not even your seed, sorry. (laughs) He gave you the seed. It's like a kid. You know, kids, kids at Christmas... They're so proud. They give, you know, they give their parents these presents. Where'd they get the money? Their parents. Like, hey, look what I got you, right? It's kind of what this is, guys. This really is. It's just where God gives us everything. It's, it's, all, it's all his anyway, you know. And so it's a matter of just going, okay, look, God. Look, I'm giving to you, you know. And God's like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's really cute. Yeah, that's my little present. So sweet, sweet. Um, you know, and you know, it's not anything God needs. Just like the parents, like it's not anything the parents need either. You know, oh, um, it's the heart. It's the heart. So it says, "He that supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. He'll give you more seed to plant, so that you can give more, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness." You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You give, God's just want to keep giving to you so you can be more and more and more generous. 
And that's why, I, honestly, I don't trip. I see a need, I'm like, I just don't trip. I'm like, I'll help, I'll do it. You know, it's just like me and Adam both. Just like we see stuff, I'm just like, God's big enough, he's going to cover this. And so you can be generous in every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's what it happens. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's what it is. It's showing thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience accompanied that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And so what that's saying is basically, you know, the origin of the giving is God. You know, it's just God is the great, great giver. We cannot outgive God. I think, I just... You know, I encourage you guys, if, if this is not an area that you've really tasted, I'm telling you, if you grow in this, it feels amazing. It's just like, it's really cool, guys. It just, I wish I could just let you know how cool it feels to feel this free. It really does. It feels amazing to know that God is going to provide and take care of you. Um, it feels really free. It feels exciting. And... Um, and God is good. God cares about our physical stuff because... God, do, God does not love that you would feel stressed about this stuff. I mean, how crappy does it feel to be worrying about money? I know we have all done it. There's no person I know that has not worried a lot and felt a lot of heaviness about money at certain times. It feels horrible, doesn't it? It feels horrible to have that, to feel like, ugh, you know. And that's just not God's desire for any of us. To feel like that that's a bondage. You know, God wants us to be free in this. And God wants to provide. And God wants to take care of us. It's not promising that you're going to be rich. You know, you don't need to be rich. It's, nobody needs to be rich. But, you know, I don't need to be. You know, it's a sort of, it's not, that's not the point. You know what I'm saying? It's just really being in a place that you have enough. And you're not got to worry about nothing. You know, and that you know that God's provision is there and, and that he will always be there in that. Um, anyway, uh, hallelujah and amen. Amen. Uh, let's pray. And then we get uh, a couple of exciting things on the block. Um, <laughs> Heavenly Father, you are good. I like that. I just trust you with all my heart. I really do. I trust in your goodness. Um, Gosh, you have blown me away personally by how much you have taken care of me, especially in this past year through some difficult times that have been challenging financially uh, and worrisome. But I, I just love that Adam and I have always known that, um, that you are God and that you care for us and that we're always going to be okay with you. Um, anyway, I just ask you to bless this offering and bless the people that are giving and also just... I just pray for people's hearts that if this is a scary area, you know, that they're that they're uh, up against or have never really experienced or kind of been afraid or whatever, that I just just ask you to um, uh, just just to help people to hear your voice in it and to give them comfort and to um, help them to grow in faith and in trusting you, God. Um, 
I pray that, that all of us as a church can grow where we have so much faith in you in this part of our lives and that we can be an inspiration to many others in the freedom that we experience in this, that even during these difficult financial times, that you are not limited by our economy, that you are God Almighty and you got a cattle upon a thousand hill and you can provide for your children no matter what is going on in this country or with the stock market or any of those things. Anyway, I lift these things to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.